You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 596. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss the Spurs' last three games, Derek White returning soon, the team getting back in familiar territory with mid-rangers, and Keldon Johnson's play this season. Let's go ahead and get started. Ben, how are you doing? I'm great, sir. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. Um, you know, Spurs, uh, they finally, you know, did get impacted with COVID um, uh, this past week. We're going to get into that in a little detail, um, you know, because obviously we know what, what, the, what the season's like right now for, for the Spurs and multiple and all the teams right now uh, in the league and just in the world, you know, dealing with this pandemic. Uh, so let's go to begin with the latest news. Um, let's go to their 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 schedule since I last recorded um, uh, last week. It was actually a week ago that you and I were recording this on a Thursday. So they went two and one in the last three games. They were supposed to play four games. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, they are 10 and eight overall. What happened is on Friday, they lost to the Dallas Mavericks where they fell behind early by 18, but they clawed back and they really made it a really um, close ball game, but they ended up losing there by five points. Then on Sunday, they got a comfortable win against the Washington wizards uh, by 20 points. Uh, then on Monday was when it, when, when the craziness happened, when, um, you know, it was, it was like, about 6 20 p.m um, central time and we're uh you know the media was about to get ready to go on zoom with coach pop and, and uh the pelicans coach uh, stan van gundy and then all of a sudden the nba puts out an alert uh spurs pelican gate pelicans game postponed and they said it was just due to contact tracing and then we found out you know the next day or, or the next few days uh pop told us that the play- none of the players had covid you know they didn't test positive it was just more of a staffer and because of that the game had to get delayed just because of the uh, the contact tracing then the most recent win for the spurs came on wednesday uh when they defeated the boston celtics in a game where the spurs did lead by 15 but boston kind of clawed back as well and the spurs held on there in crunch time to win that game by four points so you know uh through 18 games best case best case scenario let's just say everything went perfectly for the Spurs they could be 15 and 3 worst case scenario let's say everything that went horrible for them in the last minute of a game they could be 5 and 13 last year at this time they were 6 and 12 so so they're doing a lot better than what they, what, what they they were showing last year at this point so what have what have you thought about you know these last three games and just the Spurs season as a whole like you said the the record speaks for itself they are playing better uh, i know we're going to get into this later on this podcast but the defense has been better and i think something that needs to be emphasized a lot more is that this team does not turn the ball over. And of course I say that that comes after their highest turnover game of the year against the Celtics. I think they had 20 turnovers still won the game. So it didn't yeah. hurt them in the end. And that was probably why it was only a four point margin, but you know, outside of that game, the Spurs generally don't turn the ball over. They're very good about it. Um, I have been seeing a few different stats. They are on pace to have the best assist to turnover ratio in league history. Of course, that is with the assumption that the, the, the rest of the three quarters of the season plays out similarly. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's, that's a big one right there, which you just mentioned. I've seen, I've seen some, some of that stuff, those stats going around as well. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we got to see if it finishes, you know, for, for, for me, just covering the team, um, you know, it's felt like, like almost like the Spurs, it wasn't going to happen to Spurs or if it did happen, you would know some, so, so far ahead in advance. And the fact that like I was about to get ready to go on zoom with coach pop and Stanley going to all of a sudden, boom, the, the, the game just gets postponed. It's like, wow, it can just happen any night. You know, even if, even if the injury report says only one player's out and it's not even due to COVID uh, or, or contact tracing, you know, uh, it, it's just crazy. You know, it's just the times that we're in right now that that, that game could quickly get postponed. And now I have seen that the NBA is starting to starting to tell some of the teams, you know, they're going to get their games remade, uh, get to get made up. Uh, but but we'll see again what, what happens with that Spurs Pelicans game um, going forward. 
And um, yeah, so now let's go ahead and talk about some some other news that came out this week uh, on, on Wednesday before the Spurs uh, beat the Celtics. Uh, Derek White, uh, Coach Pop, says he's about to return soon. So this is this is definitely happening pretty soon. According to Coach Pop, he says that White's pretty much ready to come back right now. And he even said he wanted to play in that game against the Celtics. But because of, you know, the injury, the, the, the toe injuries that he's had, uh, it's actually the same toe, but just different injuries, apparently. Um they want to be very cautious with bringing him back. So they, so they didn't bring him back against Wednesday against Celtics. And then right before you and I recorded uh, the Spurs put out their injury report for the Friday game versus the the nuggets. And he will not play in that game. So the best assumption right now is that he's probably making his return on Saturday against the Memphis Grizzlies. Cause coach pop did say, you know, he would for sure probably play this weekend. So, um, so it looks like Derek is coming back. And with that, Ben, there's a bunch of questions. Obviously we know the team's going to get better. You know, this is a, a really good player for the team coming back. One of their top players, but there are going to be some issues with the minutes in terms of like, you know, some some players are going to have to either lose their role completely, or um, players. Some players are going to just have to, to to see some some minutes diminish because Derek plays more at that guard wing position. Uh, let's begin with one of the first players who I think is going to have a, a big impact once Derek comes back, and that's uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. Now. Um, we do know that you know Lonnie's been starting for this entire season, uh, but you know he, when uh, he he's shown some strides of being really aggressive when 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 a player's out, maybe like Dejounte Murray's out or, or Demar Derozan, like we saw those two games with Demar. But then all of a sudden, when when the whole team's there, uh, he gets he he gets he's turned more to more so into like a spot up three point shooter that kind of becomes his role. So he's getting about twenty eight point eight minutes now. I, I don't think Pop would initially start Derek because we saw him do that against the Lakers where Derek came off the bench. Uh, and, and, you know, Derek, I think, I think he'll, he'll, he'll even said Derek will be on a minutes restriction last time he said that at least. So my, my question to you is down the road, once Derek kind of, kind of gets his, his legs under him, gets comfortable, do you think Lonnie's going to be the player right now from that starting group who probably goes back to the bench? Or go- Yeah, I think he's probably going to be the guy who goes back to the bench. If it were up to me, I'd really like to put Rudy Gay as the guy who gets minutes taken away. I know he's not really a starter, but I wish he had his minutes taken away because, yeah, he has had some really nice moments this year. But I think playing him as many minutes as the Spurs are, they're really taking away from the development of someone like Devin Vassell, who has shown in the little time he's gotten that he could be a really good defender and he can – He's going to do enough on offense to keep you in this year. And, you know, the ceiling on his offense is going to be much higher than than maybe what people thought. So I think, you know, if, if I were to be – if I got to put the coach hat on or the coach polo, I guess, I would, I would like to relegate Rudy Gay to more time on the bench and let Devin Vassell get some extra time you know, try and split those, those minutes with Derek and Lonnie. And, you know, it's, it's hard because you, you have four, five guards that you really like and you want to play them all. You legitimately want to play them all. And, and you should play them all in some sort of spurts. You know, they mix, mix match them together, however you're going to do it. And maybe a lot of times you go four small with one big and, and just kind of ride with it. They've, I think they've done that a few times and it's been okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you have to see what you're getting with Derek White first before you're easing people in and out of of minutes here. Yeah, and so like um, I, I just want you know once once he does get a few games under his belt and, and he's you know getting close to his minutes like normal. Uh, what do you do? You think that it is Lonnie though that would probably uh, get out of the starting lineup if Pop wanted to put Derek into the starting lineup? Do you think he's the player? Yeah, I think he would end up being the okay. guy. He's he's played well. He's it's it's not a knock against him. It's just that Derek White's better. 
And, you know, when uh, when Derek first came back in that game against the Lakers, um, you know, the team was playing pretty well at that time. And so you you, you almost didn't want to, like, mess up the lineup in a way, the starting lineup. But at least now there's more data and there's more evidence to show that, you know, they've been getting off to really slow starts. Even this game against the Celtics where they won, it was still like uh, like an eight-point hole early on in the first quarter. And that's something where, where sometimes these, these holes, they, they really get dug in them, and then the bench has to come save them or, or dig them out. And then sometimes they just can't. And so I think that there, there's more evidence there now that shows that, you know, the starting unit's not quite working uh, a well especially early on in the games and especially also at the start of the third quarter. So maybe there is uh, more, more, more reason to, to make that an easier choice to, to uh, probably move Lonnie out and put Derek in. Okay. Now you already mentioned uh, another player who's going to probably be impacted, um, you know, you know, a lot by, by Derek coming back and that's Devin Vassell. And we, we saw that in that first game that Derek played in that only game is that one night that, that he played against the Lakers, De- Devin Vassell got his only DNP of the season. So we saw that coach pop immediately just gave all of Vassell's minutes to Derek and that was it. And then ever since Derek got hurt, well, that we've seen Vassell, you know, getting his, his normal um, 18 minutes a game. Now, one thing Pop's been doing since Derek's been out is he's kept it at a nine-man rotation. So he's, he has a starting five, and then off the bench, he brings in Patty Mills, Devin Vassell, Rudy Gay, and Jacoperto. And then he lets, like, Keldon or DeMar or somebody, you know, play, play minutes at the bench. Do you think that to keep Devin in, he might just go with a full 10-man unit like he used to do with, like, full five, five full starters, five full bench unit? Do you think maybe that's something he might try? Or, or what, what do you think there? I don't know if he's going to go full squad changeouts, but I think he should keep a 10 man rotation. I, I honestly think Devin Vassell has earned the playing time. He hasn't, he hasn't made huge rookie mistakes consistently. He's, he's played good defense consistently. He's shooting the three pointer very well right now. And so I think he's definitely a guy you, you can't DNP him. You're going to, that's definitely going to incense Spurs fans. I'll tell you that much, but I think you have to figure out a way to go with the 10 man rotation. And, and frankly, you know, I, I think if you, if you have a 10 man rotation that you're regularly using throughout the course of the season, that will benefit you in the playoffs when you're really playing, you know, to a certain matchup at times you can say, okay, you know what, maybe this isn't the matchup for, for one or two of these guys. Thankfully I had the backups, the other guys, ready to roll because they have been playing regular minutes all season. So hopefully they see the intelligence and the wisdom in that and, and let a 10 man rotation ride. Yeah. And so like, that's something that pop used to do. I mean, he used to have like a full bench. You remember, you remember the, the title teams for the Spurs, they had five guys that, you know, just immediately came off the bench uh, at, at normal times during the games. And so he's kind of stuck with that nine man rotation plus a starter. So again, there, there are going to be lots of players, you know, even some of the, the players who play a lot of minutes right now that, that may, that are going to have to probably lose some time uh, with Derek com- coming back. And so like what I did was I looked at this, I took out Jakob and um, LaMarcus's minutes because those guys are pretty much said they're not going to be impacted by Derek's return because they're, they're the only two fives on the team. Right. So, so when you take, when you take off those two players, players you have basically the one through four position um that you ha- here's the percentage of those minutes that are left over there's 192 minutes uh, f- from that group and there's a uh, demar derozan's getting 18 percent of those minutes number one Keldon johnson 16 percent dejounte murray 16 percent lonnie 15 percent patty mills 13 percent rudy gay 12 percent and then devin vassell 10 percent so so I, I almost wonder too, though, if they're going to maybe take a little bit of Demar's minutes away, just to look, you know, just because I think he's playing thirty. What do I have it here? Thirty three point eight minutes is what he's playing right now on on a night. And I wonder if they maybe go down to like thirty for him or thirty one. Just I think I think they might trim off a little bit from some of these players, and that way Derek can get his. Because I remember he played like twenty two in that first game he came back. I also think if they trim off some of Demar Derozan's minutes, he'll be fresher when you bring him in later mm-hmm. in games, hopefully. And, and I think there are times where he's on the court a little too long and that's led to some, 
some ugly turnovers and it leads to him going ISO a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, you, you have to curb that as well. When this Spurs team has played really well, when that ball moves, DeMar DeRozan is driving, but he's kicking and he's, he's finding his other guys who, you know, he's, he's finding the guys where their defenders have sucked into him. So he's got to keep continuing. He's got to keep doing that. He can't settle for, for mid-range jumpers when it's not open and stuff. And he's got to, you know, to me, that's the biggest thing because DeMar DeRozan has proven one, that he's willing to step out and shoot three so he can keep the defense honest. And two, that he is a driving threat. He can play a little bit of point guard when you need him to. And that also makes him dangerous. And, um, you know, one thing that that's going to be, you know, like I mentioned there, uh, Derek coming back is he's a, he's a good defender as well. He's known for that. And so this team is already a top 10 defense. They're, they're number nine as of, as of this conversation you and I, you and I are having holding teams to 108.5 points per 100. Um, so they're ninth defensively and, and their, and their big issues still are, um, you know, letting teams, um, um, make a good chunk of threes against percentage of threes, not, not, not amount of threes, should I say, uh, teams still get to, you know, attack them at the rim, even though the Spurs are good at, at, at um, you know, deterring the, uh, the effectiveness there. And then also, so the uh, teams aren't really, you know, forced to take those mid rangers or those like non restricted area twos. So I guess the the issues there are like the pick and roll defense, the dribble penetration, and and the and the, the help schemes, like whenever they double team and stuff. So what do you think Derek will do there, where he's like a wing who who can help out? What 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 kind of help can he provide the team there in those areas? I think he's definitely a better on ball defender than Demar Derozan is. I think he's going to deter a lot of guys from easily getting into the lane. Mm-hmm. Um, he he also is a great charge taker mm-hmm. and he's one of the better guards yes. in the league at collecting blocks. So I, I think those are two factors you have to consider. And, you know, yeah, he, you know, the, the charges may not be a whole lot, but he's, I think he still was in the top five in charges taken last year, at least among guards. So, you know, he, he knows how to get into position, get himself set and, and get a turnover on the other team. And, Anytime you can get a turnover, even if it's not live ball, you know, that's a major win for your defense and, and it's less stress that you've now put on your big men, especially if LaMarcus Aldridge is in the game because he's basically matadoring guys to the rim. Yeah. So, I mean, you just brought that up. I mean, that's going to be a huge, I think I'm not, not a huge, but it's going to be a good, I mean, you know, impact in terms of not, not letting teams drive in because they're going to be, you know, have to worry about Derek taking those charges like you just mentioned there. And then also his help defense. I mean, his, his blocking air, uh, ability, which is going to help out in that help defense department that I was talking about, which is an area where they lack right now, where they have some, some struggles. So, yeah. So this team, you know, that's already number nine on defense, they could end up getting a, a you know, better here uh, with the, the addition of Derek White coming back or whenever he gets healthy and gets, you know, gets back to, to normal form. All right, Ben, let's go to move into our, uh, move on to our second topic should i say and the spurs are back in their very familiar territory of being the number one mid-range team and um you know th- this season it doesn't bother me as much because we know we we know they are taking a, a little bit more threes and also the fact that they are a good defense that's the, that was the problem for me last year was that fact that like you, you know they were they were they weren't a good defense so you're giving up all these points on one end you don't you don't get stops but then you're, you're also just mathematically not staying in games because you're taking one of the, one of the worst shots compared to the to the three-point shot so let's go ahead and so now they're they're, they're actually back uh, where, where they where they were last year so so right now as of as of this recording they are number one in attempts at from mid-range 18.7 per game that's actually less though than last year uh, and they are the number one accuracy team from mid-range at 48 percent they're making 48 percent of their mid-range shots um it's still so so when we look at the shot value you know a mid-range shot for the spurs is worth 0.96 points per shot 
it's still not as as good as taking your threes where they shoot 37% from three. Those are worth 1.10 points per shot. So, so basically mathematically, it still makes more sense to take the three over the mid range, even though they're, they're, they're shooting it. Well, it's still not over 50%, which isn't a good number uh, in the math game. They're basically still just like last year. They're getting outscored for, uh, by, by from three by 72 points. Whereas on twos, this is pain and mid range. They're, they're, they're outscoring their opponents by 64 points. So there's, so, so the, still not, so, so their, their ability to score from two is not matching up with the three. They're still behind there. Now, we know that the reason why they're winning games, though, also is because they get to the free throw line and they're scoring from that area. But I, like, I, like I mentioned, I think one good aspect of, of being a good mid-range team is that in crunch time, I feel like that is a big difference. And some of these games that the Spurs have won where they struggle from three and their opponent has struggled and they've played good defense, when you go back and look, they're like, they're like a plus 12 from mid-range, plus 10 from mid-range. And that actually can be a good thing in the fourth quarter when you need some, some of these shots to go down. Now, the players responsible for this, um, for all these mid-range, mainly there's three players that, that really take a huge chunk of their, their mid-range uh, uh, shot attempts. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, 28% of his shots, uh, 28% of the team shots from mid-range come from him. Uh, he's shooting well, though, 55% accuracy uh, versus 32% from three. So in a way, you kind of want him taking those mid-rangers. Um, DeJounte Murray, 17% of his shots. I mean, it's, 17% of the team shots from mid-range come from him. Uh, he's making 47% versus 29% from three. And then DeMar DeRozan, 16% of the, the team mid-range shots come from him. And uh, he's, he's making 45% of his mid-rangers compared to 35% of his threes. But right now, DeMar, at least mathematically, it would actually be better for him to keep taking those threes rather than the, than, than the mid-rangers. And then, the, you know, there's Rudy Gay and Patty Mills. They're, they're about 10, 11% as well. So uh, what do you want to say about the mid-range? And, and what do you think are some, some of the, the good things about it and then some of the bad things? All right. If any of you, if, if anybody listening to this follows me on Twitter, you know that I am I am a big fan of the mid-range. I think it is the secret third fundamental shot of basketball, okay? But you cannot be attempting 19 mid-range shots a game in this league and expect to win a lot of games. You have to shoot more threes or you have to get to the rim or get to the free throw line. You you have to do what you don't have to do all of those. You have to do one, maybe two of those three things more often because shooting in the mid range while right now in only 18 games. Sure. Mathematically, the numbers say LaMarcus Aldridge shooting a mid range shot is worth more than him shooting a three pointer. Why is he? Why is he not getting to the free throw line? Why is he not getting shots at the rim? That's what he should be trying to do. He's bigger than a lot of players right now. He's stronger than a lot of players who are going to guard him. He should be trying to get to the rim, and when doing so, it should get him to the free throw line at times. For Demar Derozan, that's kind of always been his game. I understand that he has been willing to take more threes. I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you can cut down his mid-range even just a little bit by a shot, shot and a half per game, I, I'd take that as a huge win. Uh, DeJounte Murray, it, it makes sense why he's shooting those mid-range shots. He's he's not a, a great three-point shooter yet, mm-hmm. uh, not on volume anyway. Uh, you know, I think he's shooting solidly from there, but he's he's not shooting a high number of threes right now. Um, he, he's, he's long, he's athletic, but a lot of times he's not strong enough to get to and finish at the rim. And I think that might be his biggest problem right now. And that's why he kind of stops and pops at the mid range 
a lot of times. He can't quite get to the rim the way he'd like to. So I think that's that's going to be something to look at as the season goes on. But uh, not surprising that I'm actually a little surprised that Patty Mills' percentage is at 10. That seems actually a little high because I, I figured him for basically uh, a three-pointer layup guy, that's it. But I guess yeah. he's taking a few mid-rangers in there. So good on you, mate. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, for him, he you know, those those guys with the lower percentages are probably fine. They're, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. But And, and LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan have had this mid-range problem for a while that's you know that that's the problem it's a habit that they are having a tr- tough time breaking out of and and f- you know getting to better spots on the floor yeah for sure and i guess if for one good thing i mean it's not it's not aside from murray but that's always been murray's game uh it's not really impacting the young guys you, you don't see lonnie walker taking a lot of those shots you don't see kelton johnson you know De- devin vassell we already mentioned he'll, he just takes threes pretty much and, and drives the layups so so that's a good thing is that these younger players aren't really adding that to i mean you know making that a huge part of, out of their offensive game it's more so just the veterans who, who are known for that shot you know in in, in the past and you know I, just one thing i would note is that you know like i said it's okay i think uh, if, you, if you have a good defense which they do have this year so that's why you see that they're still being successful despite playing this way but when a team gets hot or the, or the Spurs are having a bad night defensively and, and they're making sh- shots from three this is where they're falling apart and the fact is they cannot dig themselves out of holes I'm looking at the stat right now anytime the Spurs fall behind by 15 or more points they're 0 and 5 already to start this year so why because when you fall behind by a lot and you're just trying to do the little mid-rangers and, and get yourself back in it's really tough uh, uh to do that when you're when you're not a three a, a team that can kind of rely on that on the three ball so uh so so you know we'll, we'll see what happens with it but again I think that in the fourth quarter that is a really valuable shot to have it makes you a little bit more diverse offensively it's harder to guard and stop you but when you're doing that for the majority of the game though that 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 is kind of a problem so again we'll see what that looks like especially with Derek coming back because Derek is also a player who does not rely too much on the mid-range. He likes to go three-pointers, get to the free throw line, or make um, layups and dunks. So, so that's kind you, of what- you have to, if you're the Spurs, you have to get out to better starts in the first quarter. You cannot mm-hmm. be trying to come back from double-digit deficits the entire game. It it weighs on you not only physically, but mentally, emotionally. It's it's a lot, it's a lot to ask a player to do that in every game or a majority of your games, it's, it's, it is so much easier. And, and granted, this is obvious stuff, but it is so much easier to be playing while up. All right. You're loose. You feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not the pressure. Okay. I got to get all this, all these points back in one shot, whatever it is, you know, it's, you, you go out there and you're just playing your game. You, you, you and, and, you know, it, it's fine. I, I, it's, it's kind of good. For the young guys, they know how to fight and come back. And, you know, they've gotten close in a lot of instances. There have yeah. really only been a couple games that are blowout, that are true blowouts. Yeah, there's only been like three where it's been over. Yeah. So, you know, that is good. And I think that's that's progress from last year as well. And last year, like you said, 6-12 and 12 at this point in the season. And, and I'm sure more of those, much more of those games were blowouts than mm-hmm. just three. So they're 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 clearly making progress. The younger players are are, you know, the the screw is kind of turning, and it's tightening, and they're getting there. They're getting it. So I, I think it's it's good that there are some close games, but really some of these should not be that close. 
Yeah. So and like I said, if it, let's just say like things went right, they could they could be like, uh, what did I say? The, the record but it was like 15, 15 and three. Yeah. If, if everything went right, they executed the right way. Um, let's move on to, to our last topic, Ben, and that's uh, that's one player who I want to highlight. It just because uh, you know I just have that 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 um that 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 highlight clip in my in the back of my mind. Uh, Kelton Johnson, how he finished that game against the Celtics. It was late in the fourth quarter. You know, less than five minutes left. Uh, it was eight seconds on the shot clock. You know, um, I think it was Demar kicks it to him just because time was running out. He couldn't attack. Kelton kind of does a crossover. You know. Uh, kind of goes by one Celtics defender, and then just dunks on two of them. I mean, they just clear out of the way, and he just dunks it with two hands. And so I, I think that's why you know that that's just it. Just shows again that, that he's just getting better and better as games go along. So I, I kind of want to re- revisit uh, Kelden and how he's doing this season. I haven't talked about him in about two or three weeks now. So let's let's see how he's doing now through 18 games of the season. Uh, base stats: uh, 14.4 points per game, which is third on the team. 48% shooting, 30.5 uh, free throw attempts, which is second. So he gets to the line the second most behind Demar only. He's now first in rebound rebounds per game. Uh, we know Dejounte is the total rebounder, has the most. Uh, so he's first in, in re- uh, rebounds per game. Uh, 2.2 assists and 1.5 turnovers in th- 31.2 minutes. Uh, his shot profile is just basically you know, he just attacks. I mean, he's he's the main guy who attacks the rim. 51% of his shots come to the, at the closest area to the basket, which is a restricted area. That's second only behind Jakob, but we know Jakob pretty much just only shoots from there. Um, and then 26% of his shots from three. Uh, he's he's finishing pretty well in the restri- in the restricted area, that area close to the basket at fifty eight percent, and then he's shooting the three ball pretty well, thirty four percent. I mean, not bad for Keldon. Uh, he's third on the team in drives. Um, when he does drive the ball, we we pretty much know he's only gonna pretty, pretty either shoot it or um you know or, or or get a free throw attempt. So that's what he's basically he's just going in there to bulldoze uh, um defenders and, and kind of get to the line. Uh, and you know the, the problem there is sometimes he can be a little turnover prone with that with that area of his game. So he, about eleven percent chance he turns it over. Um, and then when he's and we know that defenses you know are, are worried about him attacking on them. So what they do is they leave him wide open from three. So sixty two percent of his threes are wide open that he's taking, and he and he's making thirty six percent of them, which isn't too bad for him. Um, so I want to talk. First about offensively, Ben, uh, you know, you were the first guy to see Kelton, you know, for our staff, just because you've, you've been scouting, you scout all the players. Uh, what is offensively? Let's talk about offensively. What has surprised you or or not, you know, or did you expect this from him in his game? The fact that he's like just, you know, really just attacks defense. He doesn't care who you are. So I think the part of his game that has surprised me the most is he's become um, a capable three-point shooter so mm-hmm. quickly. I honestly thought it would take three or four years to get him there, but now you can't totally leave him open. He will make it. Um, the the driving part of his game is not a surprise to me at all. Okay, he I, I, he was doing that at Kentucky. He was you know when they allowed him to really. He's he was a great. He's always been an, an aggressive guy. The defense was always there, so that doesn't totally surprise me. I love that. Basically, anytime he drives, there's a quarter. A quarter of the time, he's going to go to the free throw line. I love that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, the next step is is upping the free throw percentage, which I'm sure will happen. So for me, you know, I've been very happy with Keldon Johnson, as I'm sure a lot of other Spurs fans have. I mean, he's he's done just about everything you've asked him of him. So you know, the, the next step is just steadily improving his game as the season and as the the next year goes on. And I think, you know, those are the steps we're going to want to watch for because I think that's when his game is really going to go to the next level. 
Yeah, and I think one thing that really, um, that really, um, not surprised me, but like really was interesting to me uh, in this game last night against the the Celtics was the fact that Pop let him take some attempts there at the end of the game. Uh, in the final five minutes, he actually got three shot attempts, and he made you know, that dunk that I mentioned. So he missed two. They were like eight seconds each left in the shot clock, so it was like last second attempts in the half court. But the fact that the Spurs are letting him, you know, start now start to actually get the ball. We we, we normally see Demar takes almost like the last five minutes the whole offense where he's either shooting or trying to get to the free throw line. Um, you know, when it doesn't have when it doesn't work out well, you see the Spurs fans get very upset with that but I, it was interesting again to see Keldon be one of the players who who gets his chance now at attacking in crunch time and obviously he's in a struggle here uh just because it's a learning experience but that is that is a good thing to see for his development for the future th- that they're going to start including him there at the end of games if, th- if that's a, a consistent thing um now I want to talk about defensively um you know he doesn't really his stats don't pop off the page in terms of like deflections or steals or blocks but again it's because you know most of the time he's playing against fours and he's mostly near the basket so he doesn't get to do a lot of that that, that defensive activity or he's getting some of the better players as his main matchup so so he's mainly focused on one-on-one defense uh but he does have one of the one of the better um uh defensive field goal percentages holding players to 46 percent that he's 46 percent shooting that he's guarding uh and then i just want to talk about his versatility i mean you go down the, the list of the matchups he's faced to, uh this year and he's, he's played like like your typical three and fours like lebron uh pascal siakam and then we just saw recently jalen brown but then all of a sudden pop will be like okay i need you to go guard some bigs and so we've seen him play um um christian wood chris Stapps, porzingis zion Williamson um that's that's the next part I want to ask you about you know seeing him in college on defense could, could did you imagine that he'd be he'd be he'd be called upon to guard Christian Wood in a game or or Porzingis or Zion uh, what have you thought about his, de- his defense <laughs> defense has been great he's, he's <laughs> got to be the most versatile defender on this team uh, I I did not think that he would be a guy <laughs> guarding legitimate big men in this league but here we are mm-hmm so, you know, great, great for Keldon Johnson. I love it. He's, again, a dude who is just relentless, will take on any challenge that you throw mm-hmm. at him, and I love it. Yeah, so it's just like, again, it's just wild. You just go go down the matchups, and we have that on Project Spurs, and just look at the names that he's guarding. And he's also guarded, like, smaller players. He's guarded some, like, point guards and, sh- and shooting guards and stuff, so it's wild. And he's only, and, you know, he, he is 6'6", six, six, but he plays so much bigger than that. And so you see him putting up these kind of numbers in offense and defense. And so, yeah, it's only year two for him, and he's, he's playing very well. Uh, and, like, again, I just wanted to spotlight him, uh, uh, you know, in his play um, for this season. Um, so – before we go ahead and end this episode, uh, make sure that you're visiting ProjectSpurs.com. Um, after each game, Steven Anderson is providing his analysis. Uh, uh, Jonas Clark recently wrote about um, the G League bubble coming up um, pretty soon here. He, he wrote a piece called What You Need to Know, Austin Spurs and the G League Bubble by Jonas Clark. And some news I didn't really say, um, it's, it's not it's not major news, but Lucas Simonic uh, will be joining the, the Austin uh, the Austin Spurs in the, in the G League. Uh, so, so that's one thing to note, Spurs fans, is that Luca won't be with the team for, for the next few weeks. So he'll be out over there uh, working out in the G League bubble playing in games and then ben you recently had a prospect watch um uh you wrote on, on charles basti can you give the spurs cast listeners some background on him absolutely he's a 611 235 solid base they'll have to put on a little more weight but dude is strong fantastic player at western kentucky um his only his only glaring um, issue that some people might have is that he only played 10 games last year mm-hmm. he had a tibial plateau fracture which sounds just as terrible which is just as terrible as it sounds so uh did not play most of last year but this year does not look like he's been hampered still rebounding the bejesus out of the ball shooting it 
well, he mostly shoots right at the rim. He doesn't shoot a whole lot of mid-range and a whole lot of threes. Uh, he's not quite efficient there. He has kind of a Giannis Attentacumpo looking shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of it starts out away from his body, so he, he tends to short arm it at times. But, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to talk a lot more about him for the Spurs Rewind coming later this week. Oh, okay, nice. Um, and then I wanted to ask you this. Uh, you know, now now that we've seen, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big guy who 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 who, um, who really believes in a lot of sample sizes. So the more games that get played, the more I start I start believing it, and a team is what it is in terms of what I'm seeing from the numbers and stuff. And so, you know, at, at this point, you know, 18 games in, they are seventh in the West uh, where they stand right now at, at 10 and eight. And, and I really have this is just my opinion, but I really feel it. And I told Joe Garcia this on the Spurs Rewind last weekend is that I think that if you can go five. 500 or above in this you know co- this this covid type season where we don't know when games are getting canceled if they're going to get re- made up yada yada uh i i really feel like you are going to most likely be a playoff team and so um i, I really at this point at least you know let's let things go totally south for the spurs or, or you know something happens to injuries or something i really feel like at this point they are going to be in that seven through ten range for sure and i think they can m- move up to like like six or fifth so so i wanted to ask you uh, how how are you um, your expectations for them in terms of who you're scouting and stuff? Uh, you know, considering that they could be a playoff team, or they could if they don't get that if they end up in that nine ten area, they can end up being a lottery team again. Well, even if they do end up in that nine ten area, they could they could play their way in. Yeah, that's yeah. Now, exactly. So that's you know, there's an opportunity there as well. So you know, getting the ninth or tenth seed isn't a death knell by any means, but. Uh, the way I'm looking at it right now is um, I'm, I started out when they were looking rough at the beginning of the season, I was kind of grabbing lottery guys. And now I'm, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm kind of looking at guys just outside the lottery, maybe, um, you know, between 14 and 20, between picks 15 and 20 around there. Um, and I'll, I'll probably grab some other guys who are, just outside of that, just because you never know somebody's going to, somebody's going to reach and uh, you know, other guys will become available because of that. So, you know, got to kind of cover all of our bases, but I'm very much sticking to forwards this year. You know, last year I, I, I did end up profiling quite a bit, uh, quite a few guards. Mm-hmm. And of course the Spurs end up picking one in the second round. So, you know, I, I'll probably end up doing some guards later in the season just so, you know, we were kind of covered, but for the most part, I mean, the Spurs really need to be looking at a forward yeah, and, and a versatile one at that. And I really feel like there's like a lot of pressure on Luca next year, at least, and then the years going forward, because, you know, if, if Rudy and LaMarcus leave this offseason, well, then he's like that natural, like four who's going to have to come in and take over. And we've already seen that he can't even crack the rotation at this point right now. That's why he's getting sent to, uh, to, to Austin right now. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of pressure on him, uh, especially and- next year, not right now. And and like Keldon Johnson, he's in his second year. Luca mm-hmm. didn't play college basketball. It wasn't you know he's not playing the same caliber of player. I, I think, I think this time in the bubble is really going to decide what happens with his future. If he if he comes out and he is playing consistently well in the bubble, I think that bodes well for next year. If he is uneven like he was a lot of times last year mm-hmm. you know he might be in trouble it might be a bit of a chemezi metu situation 
Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, and even Kelton was picked after him, and, and look where Kelton's already at uh, on on this team. So you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, with with the with the the G League bubble and how how Luca plays, and then also with um, you know with the lottery. I mean, with the with the draft eventually down the road here uh, toward the end of the season. All right, so thanks thanks again to Ben. Oh, wait, one more thing I want to promote. Sorry, uh, you mentioned this earlier, Ben. Um, the, the Spurs Rewind. It's our new show, Spurs Cast listeners. Make sure you, you visit um you know visit us on ProjectSpurs.com, and we're promoting that over there. It's going to be more of a, a virtual online show. Uh, where you can tune in live and, wa- and watch us discuss some of our members uh, along with Joe Garcia. Uh, I, did, I did the first one along with Joe this past weekend, so you can check that out on projectspurs.com. And then Ben just mentioned he's going to have a, a piece there uh, as part of that. And so we're just going to have like, it's like, a, it's like a virtual show where we might have a guest and, and, they, and they talk about you know the, the past week for the Spurs, but then also our writers are going to be sending in some, some little clips and, and, and videos and stuff and, and just um, some things that are kind of interesting to us. Like Ben, ben already mentioned uh, one, one of the players and, and myself, I'll be throwing in some, some, some um, stats that are like kind of um, popping out to me that I see. So again, check it out it's called the uh, spurs rewind show that we're that we're launching uh recently thanks again to ben for joining me here on the spurs cast and also to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day